This is Isaac Morehouse. Welcome to the podcast where we discuss education, entrepreneurship, big ideas, how to put them into practice in the real world, and above all, how to live free. Welcome to the first ever Ask Isaac episode. I'm trying this out as kind of an experiment. Um, My good friend Albert Liu, who is the host of the Power and Market Report, suggested this, interspersing um, some episodes where I take questions um, about really anything and share my thoughts, share my responses on those. So we're going to test this out. And today I want to start with a question from Albert Liu. I posted on Facebook that I was going to be doing this and uh, sort of gave an open open call for questions. And I got um, several interesting, interesting questions and I hope to tackle several of them. But I'm going to start the very first question was from Albert Liu, and he asks, for-profit versus non-profit enterprise. You have experience on both sides. Which do you prefer and why? Great question, and this is something that I've spent a, a, a lot of time thinking about um, and trying to understand, having experience in both um, and kind of you know, trying to understand what the fundamental differences are uh, and why they often look and feel so different. So first, let me just get out of the way. Nonprofit is simply a tax designation. So there's, there's nothing magical or special that happens when you, you know, become a nonprofit that, that somehow makes your mission more noble. It doesn't even make the products or services you provide any different from a for-profit necessarily. It's just a tax designation. All it means is that your organization doesn't have to pay any taxes and people who give money to that organization, they can give tax-free money to the organization, get a write-off for what they give versus investors or customers in a for-profit that's uh, taxable money that they're spending. So um, it's not that for-profits make a profit and non-profits don't. Um, in fact, most for-profits aren't profit, aren't profitable either. If, you know, they, many, um, especially a lot of sole proprietorships, um, the, you know, the, what they earn, they just spend, they pay, uh, in salary and in all of the, you know, costs that they have. And many do that on purpose because the more pr- profit you have, uh, the more that's taxed and it's better to, you know, buy a company car and increase your salary in many cases than it is to, to have a profit. So, and nonprofits, it's not like that means that they are somehow, um, the people are less well paid or there are fewer benefits or that they're not sort of living large. I mean, you can live large in a nonprofit or for-profit uh, alike and you can live, um, you know, on so-called missionary wages in either as well. So it has nothing to do with the amount of money they make, with how good or bad they are, with, um, you know, one like raking in all sorts of profits and one not, uh, not at all. It's just a tax designation. So, but that tax designation comes with some requirements. Um, y- you know, you've you've got to you've got to do a few things differently, but mostly you're allowed to do a few things. So because you can go and ask people to give you money, and you don't have to give them any equity in the in the business in return, and you don't have to pay them back um, like you would with a loan, um, and you don't even have to give them any product. In fact, you can't give them any product. You can't sell them things. I mean, there are some special conditions where you can like sell t-shirts as a fundraiser or something, but um, you're supposed to just be raising money for the cause and then you spend that money how you want. So 
here's where it gets interesting. All organizations, nonprofit and for-profit alike, what are they ultimately selling? All organizations are ultimately selling a good feeling. They're ultimately selling psychological benefit because all value is subjective. So if I'm making hammers and selling them to you, what I'm really selling you is not a physical piece of wood with, you know, iron on top or whatever they're made out of these days. I have a nice uh, S-wing framing hammer. I used to have one of those. Man, that thing could one hit. You could get a nail, drive it two inches deep into solid oak. I don't know if that's true, but they were powerful. You're not selling the hammer, ultimately. You're selling the belief, the, the feeling, the subjective value that people place on that hammer. That's why they're willing to give you their money. And so there are all kinds of ways you can increase or decrease that subjective value. The more they value it psychologically, the more they'll pay for it. And if they don't value it all psychologically, they won't pay anything. So I could sell the same hammer one day for 10 bucks. And the next day, even if nothing else had changed in the world and the hammer was made out of the same material, and people suddenly, um, you know, saw a documentary about um, how evil ham hammers are and that they're a sign of the devil. And all of a sudden, nobody wanted a hammer anymore uh, because they consider them, you know, negative and evil. I wouldn't be able to sell it at all, right? So that shows that ultimately what I'm selling is that subjective value people place on it, that psychological benefit. I'm selling a good feeling. Okay, so both for-profits and non-profits are doing that. Any, any company, no matter what, is ultimately selling that feeling. Here's the difference, though. For-profits build and sell a product or service. Customers buy it, and hopefully the good feeling results from the thing that they purchase. You pay someone to mow your lawn, and after they've rendered the service that you paid for, hopefully the final outcome will be that you'll feel good. And if you don't, you won't do it again, right? In a non-profit things are kind of reversed. That order is reversed. In nonprofits, you directly sell the good feeling up front. That's the, that's the real thing being sold. Right up front, it's the good feeling. You're not selling an item and hoping that a good feeling results from it. You're selling the good feeling, taking the money up front before you've produced anything, and then spending it, hopefully, ideally, on the something you know resembling um, what, you, what you communicated to the donor. So in other words, Donors, um, some are very wealthy to nonprofits. Um, you know, the majority of the money they get is, is from upper income people, but many, many are not. Um, they are given a good feeling, whether it's a brochure in the mail, whether it's a visit from a, a fundraiser, whether it's um, whatever it may be, a dinner uh, talking about, um, you know, the efforts of this nonprofit. Here's this good feeling. And if you invest, if you donate X amount of dollars you will see the following things will happen and that makes you feel good. Now you're not selling them those things because they haven't happened yet. You're not selling them any physical good. You're selling them the good feeling. And once they cut the check, they get the feeling right there on the spot. They've purchased the product. They're happy. They walk away for the most part. So now the nonprofit has this money and they've got to spend it. They've got to do something with it. And they often have a lot of leeway. Sometimes they get a check because they've promised, you know, the good feeling comes from them saying, we're going to do the following things with it. Um, but sometimes it's very general. You know, we're just an organization that does good things. And now you have all this money and your customer, which is the donor, is already happy. They've already purchased their product, which is the, the psychological benefit. And so the organization just has money to spend on stuff. So what this does is it changes the incentives a lot. 
there's a lot more grasping in the dark. There's a lot less clarity and information about the activities being done because most people consider a nonprofit's product to be whatever service they're rendering to their chosen audience. If it's an educational organization educating young people, they consider the product to be, you know, conferences and seminars for young people. If it's the Red Cross, they consider the product to be blood banks or, you know, a soup kitchen. It's the soup and the people serving it. But that's not actually the product. The product is the good feeling that donors get. That's what's being sold. And the production process for that project product is all the activities that the organization goes through. Those are all production factors, serving soup, running seminars, giving out blood. You're producing something that you can go and tell donors about, and it'll give them a good feeling. But again, the process often happens in reverse on a time scale. Yes, you talk about your past activity, but you're selling them. You're giving them the good feeling based on promises of future activity and they give you your money and buy that good feeling up front and now you have to take it and ideally go produce it but hardly anybody's watching right at that point the customer is really far removed so just like in the production process if you launch a new uh, for-profit producing a physical good customers are not watching the production process until you've finally resulted in your end product and you've sold it to them and then they've either gotten a good feeling or not. They've either liked it or not. Um, so, but, so that means the incentives, everything in that production process are geared towards creating value for that consumer. And you'll find out once you start selling to them how much it's working and whether it's working. And then you got to sort of figure out what you can tweak to bring down costs, et cetera. And if it's not creating value at all, you have to shut it down immediately. Because the process is reversed in the nonprofit, it's much more um, nebulous. The, you, you create the psychological value by basically explaining, selling to them um, the ideals of your organization. They give you the money. And now what do you do with it? Kind of whatever you can get away with. And I don't say that in a, in a negative way, like, you're, you know, people are trying to like, you know, throw giant pool parties or something like that at nonprofits, although that, <laughs> that does happen. But um, you hire as many people as you can afford to hire. You grow as large as you can grow. You have the largest building you can have. You put on as many events as you can afford to put on because you have to spend all the money. You, you don't, I mean, you can carry some over in savings, but you can't, you know, you can't have profits. And so you increase pay, grow, grow, grow the number of the activities, regardless of whether those are actually creating any additional value. That's, that's where the real challenge comes. And it makes it even worse if you have an endowment. If you raise money, if you give somebody a psychological high that's so big, they give you, you know, $50 million and you can put it in an account that earns, you know, that earns you um, returns all the time. Now you just have this money up front and you can just do stuff as long as you want to. Um, and kind of, you know, like whatever you want to do. <laughs> I mean, there's some accountability if those donors come back and check in and say, hey, this isn't what I said I'd give you. I'm not going to give you any more. But the lag is tremendous. The time lag between activities that aren't doing what you said they would do and losing money is tremendous. So the incentive structure, I think, is a lot fuzzier um, in terms of value creation for the person that you claim to be creating value for. So if it's, if it's feeding the poor, it's much harder for a nonprofit to know if they're effectively benefiting the lives of the poor than it would be a for-profit who's trying to sell something to the poor. Because when the person that you're trying to improve their life, the person you're trying to create value for is the one paying you, you know right away if you've created value. And when that production process is all geared towards getting that person 
to, to acknowledge and to show you that you're creating value, the incentives are much better aligned than when it's selling a good feeling to somebody who gives you money. And now you've got that money to spend on people that you claim to want, you know, that you claim to be wanting to help. But how do you know if you're helping them? How do you know if value is created? Anybody will take something you give them for free. How valuable is that? It's really hard to know. So there's nothing morally superior about nonprofits um, at all. I, I hate the common trope that like, oh, I want to go work for the greater good. I want to go work for an NGO. In fact, in terms of creating value for the world, in terms of alleviating poverty, sickness, disease, in terms of um, enhancing freedom, education, knowledge, all of the things that we, that we want that many nonprofits go for, um, they are so much less effective than for-profit efforts. I mean, everything that Gates Foundation has ever done pales in comparison to what Microsoft has done in terms of creating value and improving the lives of the poor, um, in terms of enhancing education, all of those things. Doesn't mean nonprofits are immoral or bad. Um, they're fine, and in some instances, that can be the best model. And hey, if you can avoid paying taxes to the government and your donors can, great. I wish all companies uh, <laughs> could be tax-exempt. So, it's not morally inferior. It's certainly not morally superior to be a nonprofit. It's just far more likely to create waste. Uh, and there are fewer benefits to society at large. And it's a lot easier for, um, it's more sheltered from market feedback uh, on a longer time scale. It's far easier for um, waste to occur and dysfunction to occur. Um, in some ways, it's kind of, in terms of the incentives at play, somewhere between a for-profit corporation and government. It's not as bad as a government bureaucracy in terms of the incentives because there is no legal monopoly. Um, but the incentives are not as good as at a for-profit corporation. And a really, really large for-profit that's got a large time lag if they have a, a huge you know, amount of money that they're sort of sheltered from the immediate market. Um, you can see some of those similar um, bureaucratic tendencies and uh, things that you know everybody's just grasping in the dark to figure out whether this activity creates value or not. Okay, we ran this conference, 100 people attended. Was that a good use of money or a bad use? Nobody knows, and there's really no way to measure. I mean, you have to just make up your own internal measurements because there's no signal from those conference attendees via the price mechanism. Um, and the people who gave you the money for it, they're already happy. They already got what they wanted, which is the, the good feels. So um, which do I prefer? I prefer for-profit. In fact, my goal is always anything that I think is valuable for society, um, anything that I think is going to create value, uh, like w what I'm doing with Praxis, my goal is if I can't find a way to do it for profit, then I'm really skeptical that it's actually creating value. It could be. Again, I'm not saying nonprofits can't create value, but it's much harder for them to know, and it's much easier for them to do a lot of things that actually don't make anything better, and in many cases, make things worse off. Um, so if you're really creating value for the world, then someone should be willing to give up their resources to get that value. If what you're creating is worth more than the resources they have. If what you're creating is worth more than the resources that go into it, there ought to be someone who's willing to pay you for that um, in a way that I think you can you can earn a profit. Again, in some ways it's just a tax designation, um, but I I kind of like the the quicker feedback loop of the for-profit world whenever possible. Thanks for the question, Albert. I will be taking some more of these questions and uh, releasing more Ask Isaac episodes.